How can we fix this Texas A&M offense on this episode of the Locked On Aggies podcast? You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Locked On Aggies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Joey Eitz. Thanks so much for making Locked On Aggies your first listen. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So check us out over there as well if you're listening on the audio side. This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by Sling TV. Sling has something for everyone, especially when it comes to college football coverage. With a massive lineup of games across the ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12 and SEC, I can always catch the games I want on Sling, and now you can too. Check out Sling TV now to see the massive lineups of games they have all season long. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. And as I mentioned in the open to the show, today we're going to talk about how we fix this Texas A&M offense going into the second half of the season. And to fix the offense, first we got to talk about personnel and what the right personnel mix is to emphasize and to play going into the second half of the season. And for that conversation to start, we've got to start back where we almost always start, and that's at the quarterback position. There have been reports, maybe it's even better to call them rumors, for the first few days of the AM bye week this week, that Haynes King, who started the game against Alabama in place of Max Johnson, who started the three games prior to that after taking the job over from Haynes King, who started the first two games of the year. It's been quite a year for AM quarterbacks so far. That Haynes had sustained some sort of a significant enough injury to put his playing status, at least for the next few weeks, in some sort of jeopardy. Which means that, if that's true, that it's Connor Wigman time. And as you'll remember from a few weeks ago, right before the Alabama game, I was of the opinion that the South Carolina game was probably the perfect opportunity for it to be Connor Wigman time anyway. There's a few reasons for that. The first reason is that when you're going into 2023, the last thing you want is more quarterback questions. We're going into, we're, we are dealing right now with the second season in a row that AM has had more than one quarterback who they felt was viable in spring practice. And it turned out neither of the starting caliber quarterbacks that they thought they had were viable. Or that the quarterbacks that they thought they had were viable got hurt. And then the next year, and Haynes King proved that probably not a viable long-term starting option. So what is it that's wrong with the way the quarterback position has been played for A&M and we're going to use the Haynes King 
time because Max is hurt. He's out probably for the rest of the season. So I don't want to say he's irrelevant, but for this conversation, he's not an option. So what's been going on with Haynes at quarterback is primarily um, a lot of indecision and hesitation. And that combination of two things as a quarterback is highly detrimental to your efforts to be successful. So if you're going to play quarterback, the higher level you get playing quarterback from middle school or junior high football, where it's really just put the best athlete at quarterback so that he touches the ball every play, to high school, where a lot of times it's a relatively similar situation, put one of your best athletes or the the guy who throws the ball the best or those sorts of things at quarterback and watch good things happen because they're so much better than everybody else around them to the college football level, especially in major college football, where the differential of who the best athlete on the field is shrinks pretty substantially from high school to the SEC. And then you get up to the NFL level and it's, Completely flat. Even the best athletes at the quarterback position are not um, markedly better, substantially better athletes than most of the defenders they're playing against. Even the defenders that may outweigh them by 20, 25, 30 or more pounds. Just the athleticism gap is so much smaller at the NFL level. But because that talent gap narrows, in order for a quarterback to be successful, he has to find different ways to win. And he usually that happens through quick, rapid, accurate decision making and the ability to make plays with both their arm and their legs as a thrower and a runner. And sometimes as a runner for the sake of generating space and manipulating defenses to throw. What we've seen Haynes King do and what we've seen Haynes King do in the context of this AM offense for most of the time that he has been the quarterback is he has been put in situations where he is taking a snap from shotgun, taking a, th- a true three or five step drop from the shotgun. And he's being asked to diagnose and read a defense, find the right receiver in his progression based on what he's seeing and deliver the ball on time in rhythm and with accuracy to that receiver. And that is compounded by the fact that he has to be seeing the game the same way that his receivers are seeing the game because within the offense that Texas A&M runs that Jimbo Fisher brought with him to College Station in 2018 when he became the head coach, within that offense, there are a lot of um, routes that can change on the fly. If a wide receiver is lined up and he's supposed to run a a dig route from the outside or a a deep in route, but he's got press coverage against him, a lot of times that route will convert to a go route down the sideline. Or there are various option routes from the slot. There are option routes for the tight end. All of these option choice variation routes exist within this A&M offense. So for Mag or for Haynes, 
it seems like he doesn't have the full confidence that he and his receivers are going to see the game the same way. So rather than being able to anticipate based on what he sees that the receiver is going to break in or that the receiver is going to break out, he has to wait and see that receiver break in or break out. And with that happening, he's just holding the ball for too long, which is creating pressure on himself. And even if he is doing a relatively good job of not turning those pressures into sacks, which we talked about when we talked about the comparison between Haynes and Max earlier when we talked about these players and we had this similar conversation. He does a good job of avoiding being sacked, but he's holding the ball a little too long, which creates pressure on him, which makes, which keeps him from being able to go through proper mechanics with his lower body. And everybody can see, everybody who watches the game can see that Haynes's release is not the quickest release or the smoothest release of any quarterback in the SEC or the country for that matter. He has a little bit of a long, elongated, somewhat awkward release of the football. And because of that, he doesn't have the pure zip on the ball to be able to make up for being off platform because of the pressure in his face. So he's creating pressure in his face. He's off platform. He doesn't have the arm strength or the arm talent because of the release and different th- different factors to be able to make up for that time that he's waiting or that pressure that he's under and the lack of lower body mechanics that he has because of that pressure. And he's not able to put enough zip on the ball to fit the ball into what becomes a more compressed window. Because the point of these choice routes and these option routes is to give the receivers or to give the quarterback a window when the defensive back is out leveraged. Because if a defensive back is lined up to the outside of a receiver and the coverage breaks that way, where the leverage of the defender is to the outside of the receiver, the receiver's job is usually on these types of routes to either stop and turn around and present his numbers to the quarterback or to turn inside and run away from that defender. So that opens up a window of opportunity for the quarterback to make the throw at the point when the wide receiver takes advantage of that leverage advantage. But if the quarterback doesn't make that throw at that point in time, that leverage advantage disappears very quickly. And it disappears more quickly as the secondary players that you're playing against get better. So because Haynes is taking longer to release the ball, taking longer to make his decision, then from the point of the decision to the point of the throw is taking a little bit longer because of the release. And then the ball from the time he releases it to the time it reaches the wide receiver takes a little bit just, and it's just a, a, a the smallest, smallest proportion of a tick of a, of a second that the difference is that we're talking about here. But when you add all of these things up, what you wind up with is a game full of nothing but contested throws, balls that are getting batted down by defensive backs, or because of the longer release, 
defensive linemen have the opportunity to see the throwing motion start, get their hands up in the throwing lanes and knock passes down or deflect them up in the air, which creates opportunities for interceptions. So there are a lot of things happening in this offense right now that are putting the offense in a real, the passing offense specifically, in a really tough spot to be able to execute. And a lot of that, to really no fault of his own, comes back to the feet of the quarterback. And there's really only two options that you can do at this point to try to fix the offense. We can talk about, okay, Cam Dewberry should get the opportunity to be the starting left guard. We think he showed a lot against Alabama and his snaps there. Let's plug him in there. Let's let the youth prosper there. Trey Zoon comes back to play left tackle. Hopefully Bryce Foster is healthy. He can come back and play He can play center. We like what we have on the right side of the line. Hopefully we can create some stability. We can feature guys like Evan Stewart, who made a ton of plays against Alabama and has really been developing as a playmaker. Devon A-Chain, we know what he is in the running game. We can feature these guys personnel-wise. Moose Muhammad has come along very well. We can do all these things personnel-wise, but if we either don't change what we're doing from a scheme standpoint or don't change the quarterback in an attempt to resolve one of those three issues that we're talking that we talked about with Hanks, the indecision, the hesitation, then because of the hesitation, it creates pressure on the quarterback, takes room away from the quarterback to throw the ball. And then the elongated release allows the defensive back, the opportunity to react to the play and the defensive lineman, better opportunities to react to the play than they would otherwise have. And then because of the pressure and the elongated release, The ball takes a little bit longer to reach the receiver, which creates the opportunity for the defensive back to disrupt the play, whether it's by knocking the ball away or by being in position to make contact with the receiver and dislodge the ball. So you either have to change the quarterback in order to try to relieve those, or you've got to change what you do schematically. I think it's probably time to do both because – You don't want to go into 2023 wondering if Connor Wigman can be the guy. You want to put him on the field for six games, the entire second half, plus a bowl game, and roll through these seven games, get a really good picture of where Connor Wigman is and what he could be, and then go from there with the opportunity to have real clarity about the quarterback position in 2023. So then what do we do scheme-wise to fix it and make it better and make it more explosive in the second half. We're going to talk about that more, but first I'm so excited to tell you guys about underdog fantasy. Underdog fantasy is the easiest place to spice up college football season. It's so easy to get started and so easy to play while you're watching your favorite team play. You go to the Underdog website, create an account, and look at the different pick'em choices for the games each week. There's no A&M game this week, so go pick the players from the games around the league that you want to play. Go through those games, 
Find the players that you think are going to perform either higher, better, or worse than their pick'em total that they're given during the week. Maybe you like Virginia Tech's Caleb Smith to go higher than 67 and a half receiving yards. Go to underdog, make your picks, and watch the game. And watch and see whether those guys perform better or worse than the project than the pick'em projection. It's easy to play. It's available in over 30 states. Just pick between two and five players across any team. Not just the Aggies. And like I said, the Aggies don't play this week. But next week, you'll be able to pick some Aggies. Decide whether they finish higher or lower. It's one of the easiest fantasy games to play. And you can win cold, hard cash in one single game. Sign up with promo code Locked On. That's one word, Locked On. And Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 for free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code locked on. That's one word, locked on. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. So what can you do from a scheme standpoint to fix this AM offense going forward? When your best player is your running back, You've got to figure out what you can do in the running game to feature that running back and enable more consistent success and enable yourself to make sure that you keep yourself, you keep your offense on schedule to help your young quarterback who we've already decided is somebody we want to plug in and play in order to fix this offense. In the running game, with the way the offensive line has played, they're, they're giving up quite a bit of penetration. Because they're giving up so much penetration, a lot of the delayed handoff, counter-draw sort of plays that Jimbo Fisher loves to call in the running game have trouble developing. A lot of times, Devon A. Chain is able to make up for that because either A, he's fast enough to run away from the penetration, B, he has good enough vision and is quick enough with his footwork to be able to make a cut, avoid the penetration, maybe cut behind the penetration into a big alignment. So you want to keep some of those plays in, but those need to be the change-up to your run game, not the base part of your run game. In order for you to really get the running game rolling, you have to get – I think you have to lean more towards zone running looks than the man gap power type runs with the pullers unless you are attacking the edges. When you're attacking the edges, you want to run things like pin and pull where you have a tight end or a wide receiver or or somebody pin the defensive end or the outside linebacker inside and you bring bring two of your inside players, the guard in the center, the two guards, something to that effect, or even if you use a tight end or a wide receiver, you can bring the tackle and the guard around and you get those guys out in front of Devon A-Chain, and when you get that guy a runway with blockers in front of him, you're going to create huge plays. So when you attack the edges, you want to do it with pin and pull. You want to do it with sweeps like that that create the opportunity to get Devon A-Chain in space. And when you attack inside between the tackles, you want to try to do it 
with more zone style runs. And those, but you can't just line up in the shotgun with nobody in motion and hand the ball to Devon A. Chain to go across the formation and run an inside or outside zone run. Defenses have seen that way too much for it to be consistently successful. Sure, maybe you'll win a block or two and you'll pop a big play, but for the most part, you're going to be, it's going to be three yards in a cloud of dust, really tough sledding to be able to have a consistent offense. And remember, the key to this thing is creating consistency because they just have had none. They just have not been able to hold on to the ball. They have not been able to move the chains with any sort of consistency. They're losing the field position game every week because of the fact that their opponents are playing short fields because they get the ball at the 20 or 25-yard line. They go four plays, gain 13 yards and out, and they punt the ball back to the other team, and then the other team gets the ball, returns it to the 35-yard line, then they punt it back to AM because AM's defense has played pretty good. And AM just stays consistently moving further and further back on the field. And they just haven't been able to move the ball down the field consistently. You have to create misdirection. We talked about how uh, detrimental hesitation is for a quarterback. When you're playing at the second level of a defense, especially against a running back with the explosiveness that Devon A. Chain has. If you can create some hesitation in those guys about where the ball is going and who has the ball, you're going to create consistent and you're going to create explosive gains in the running game. So how do you do that? The first way to do it, my favorite way to do it, is to use jet motion before the snap. By this point, so many people at the NFL and the college level are using jet motion It's a very, very familiar concept. You take a wide receiver on one side of the field and sprint him across the field, across the formation, and he crosses the ball either just before or just after the ball is snapped. And the reason why you do that is because you want to create hesitation and make the defenders at the second level wonder whether you're giving the ball to that receiver who's coming across the formation. And if you snap the ball just before he reaches the midpoint of the formation, the ball reaches the quarterback at basically the same time that the wide receiver is running in front of him. So he has the opportunity to, if you call the play this way, either reach out and hand the ball off to the, to the wide receiver or the way a lot of guys do it now in order to make it a pass. So if they drop it, it's incomplete instead of a fumble, the quarterback will catch the ball and toss it slightly forward for the wide receiver to catch it rather than having to take a handoff, which they're not as used to doing. What this does is it makes the backside of the formation and the players at the second level respect the action on the what is usually the backside of the play. And then you can run the run action to the opposite side of where the jet motion is going, and you just create that little bit of hesitation. It's not always going to pop for a big gain, But if that guy hesitates for a split second and it gets you five yards instead of three, it's effective. And you want to do that or some sort of action like that. Another way to do it is to use what is called sift action, where after the snap, a tight end or a fullback, another running back, or even a wide receiver will work 
opposite of the direction that the play is going. So if everybody on the offense is working to the right and the run play is going to the right, you will have a receiver or a tight end or sometimes a fullback, if you're using a fullback, work their way back across to the left side of the formation. That is designed to do a couple things. The main thing is to make that last guy on the line of scrimmage, usually it's a defensive end or outside linebacker, have to hesitate for a second before they come crashing down to try to stop the run or hesitate before they sprint upfield in order to try to put pressure on the quarterback in case he he leaves the action in in a pass. And if you do these sorts of things, create misdirection and create confusion without changing the blocking scheme for the offensive line or the running path for Devon A-Chain, you have the opportunity to create more consistent runs through base easy runs, more consistent running gains without changing very much for the offense at all, just by messing with the eyes of the second and third level of the defense. In the passing game, there are some unique things that AM did. I won't even say unique, but just were a little bit different than what AM traditionally does that they did against Alabama that worked almost every time they called it against Alabama. And it has to be something that shows up in their offense more going forward. What that was, and it helped Haynes King particularly because of the fact that it took each one of those factors out of play that I talked about earlier that caused him problems. And that is to use heavy play action and run downfield routes with receivers with only two or three receivers in the route, but use those routes and disperse them in a way that somebody is going to be open. And if they're not open, Haynes has room to take off and run. By using heavy play action, it slows down the pass rush because those guys have to realize that if they pull off and just take off up the field, they're creating running lanes behind them. And with a running back like Devon A-Chain, you can't afford to do that. It also creates hesitation at the second level for linebackers and safeties playing at the second level because they can't just drop straight back into a zone or go grab immediately go turn their attention to the man that they're guarding because those guys at the second level have both run and pass responsibilities. So play action causes hesitation by the second level defenders, which means they can't get as deep in their drops if they're playing a zone coverage. And what that does is the play action action slows down the pass rush. Usually you take a deeper drop off of play action, gives Haynes King or the quarterback, hopefully Connor Wigman moving forward, more room to operate, only has three guys out in routes, but hopefully because of the way the play is designed, you do it in a way that creates a distribution that somebody's going to be open. You're going to put the defenders in a bind and make them decide which guy they're going to cover and somebody's going to wind up open because you're overflowing the the coverage combinations that they can play. We saw it happen against Alabama. Haynes faked a handoff, took a deep drop, threw downfield, hit Evan Stewart. Turns around, throws downfield, hits Moose Muhammad. They were able to generate a lot of their really positive plays downfield in the passing game through this hard play action, deep drop, downfield routes. The other thing is that usually when you run these kinds of plays, 
you're not giving wide receivers a ton of choice routes because if they're running a choice route, there's the opportunity that it messes with the distribution of routes. And what you want to do is you want to create three levels within the defense where you have a guy going deep, a guy intermediate, and a guy more underneath. And that can even be something as far as much downfield as a guy running straight downfield down the seam, another guy running downfield and a, po- a deep post route that runs all the way across the field, and then a guy running a, a deep in or even a, a deep crossing route to where you create these three levels, but instead of them being at five yards, 12 yards, and 18 yards, or and 22 yards, they are at 50 yards, 40 yards, and 20 yards. And a lot of times that dig route is going to come wide open, or that deep in route is going to come wide open in that scenario because the play action keeps the second-level defenders down. The deep routes clear out any deep defenders, and there's a very wide void of space in the intermediate areas of the field that you can complete a pass for 18 to 22 yards with, it's not easy ever to complete a pass at the SEC level, but with relative ease. So that has to be the plan for AM going forward on the offensive side of the ball. you got to figure out the quarterback thing. I think you saw that by making the switch to Connor Wigman. And if he's not the answer, he's getting very valuable snaps. And if you see progression throughout the year, he may not be the answer immediately. He is a true freshman. It is the SEC. If he doesn't play better immediately, let him develop, let him learn throughout the year. More than likely, he's not going to be worse than the worst of what you've been getting where you've been able to go three and three so far throughout the year. Fix the quarterback situation. Use misdirection in the running game. Attack the edges with pin and pull. Attack inside with zone runs with misdirection built in. Then leverage that running game with hard play action passes with down-the-field routes that take some of the decision and some of the hesitation out of the quarterback situation, take some of the pressure off of him by giving him lots of space between himself and the, and the defensive line and the pass protection, let him make a clean read and throw the ball down the field, or take off running, generate positive plays with consistency. That's it. That's the formula. That's the plan. Thanks so much, guys, for listening to this episode of the Locked On Aggies podcast. I'm your host, Joey Ikes. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Ikes. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Aggies. You can find us on YouTube at Locked On Aggies as well. Please go subscribe to the channel over there. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate us or review us on those audio platforms as well. Now that you've made Locked On Aggies your first listen, please go check out Locked On SEC, where host Chris Gordy and the rest of the experts of Locked On will take you around the entire conference in 30 minutes or less every day. Go make Locked On Aggies Aggies your first listen. Make Locked On SEC your second listen every day. Thanks so much, guys. We will see you on Monday when we start getting ready for the South Carolina Gamecocks.